So what makes this passage next to the crucifixion and the resurrection narratives one of the most important in all of Scripture? If you were to ask or do a poll of list the most important passages in Scripture, even though my favorite is like the four men and the paralytic, other than the resurrection and crucifixion narratives, what, this would probably not be listed. And yet it is that important. When I led a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, I don't lead many pilgrimages, very few, but one I was blessed enough to go with Stephen Ray, my good friend, <clears throat> and we actually went up the mountain. Now, the first question is, is what mountain? Um, it's funny because Protestants will say Mount Hermon and Catholics will say Mount Tabor. So we went up Mount Tabor. That's what the tradition says. And when you get to the top, there's a church there built right on the top of the mountain. It's one of the most surreal experiences you could ever have because in all the other places that you read about that Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee or in Capernaum, you don't know exactly where he was. But when you get to the top of Mount Tabor, you know exactly where they were. And it's surreal having such an experience. And so why is this so important? Because all of Jesus's actions earlier kind of indicated that he was God. Now the veil has been lifted and the showing of his divinity is now revealed beyond his humanity. They saw his humanity, but now this veil is lifted and you see his divinity. This is what makes it so important. So now he appears with Elijah and Moses. Now, why these two? Okay, the law and the prophets. Moses is the law. Elijah is the prophets. But here's what's important. They too had experiences on a mountain. And why did they go to the mountain? What's the greatest commandment? Well, love God and love your neighbor, the two greatest commandments. But what is the greatest commandment that those two roll up into. Know and do the will of God. So they went to the mountain to seek the will of God. Now Jesus does the same thing. Jesus goes up the mountain to know the will of the Father. And so he consults with Moses and Elijah, who did the same thing. He's consulting with God to do the will of God, the Father, like Moses did on Sinai. So Jesus is the new Moses, all right? Then like Moses, he was illuminated with a great light. This is very important because remember Moses came down, his face was shining. How do we picture Jesus here on the mountain when he was transfigured before the apostles, James, Peter, and John, was enlightened? All right. You know, and basically Jesus is there asking what God wants him to do, what the father wants him to do. Now, when Jesus was asking to the father, what do you want me to do? Kind of. If we were up there, we probably would say, um, what do I want to do? Our Lord, here's what I want to do. 
And that's where we miss the boat. So if we do God's will in this life, we will shine with that same bright light in heaven. Do you know what heaven is? The saints tell us you will be designated in heaven, not by how tall or short, thin or fat, smart or not smart, um, degrees or not degrees. You will not be designated by any of that. You will solely be designated in heaven by how bright your face shines. We will exactly be like Christ here on the mountain. You know, uh, we will be illuminated with this bright, bright light. Everyone will be happy in heaven. And the amount of light you bright that you, uh, you burn will be how much you reflected Christ on earth. If you reflected Christ on earth, you will have that bright light in heaven. And so here we see what's going on in Jewish belief. Why Elijah? Okay. Why Moses and Elijah? In Jewish belief, Elijah would come to be the herald of the Messiah. So whenever the Messiah would come, Elijah would be the herald. What's a herald? When you hear the newspapers called the herald, it's to announce. And so Elijah, Jewish tradition, would announce the Messiah. Now, when the Messiah came, he would be accompanied by Moses. So Jesus is being revealed here on the mountain. First is the Messiah, because Elijah heralds him and Moses accompanies him. Now, Christ fulfills all this. He is the Messiah, as I said, heralded by Moses and Elijah and accompanied by Moses. Now, it's also like the Feast of Booths, because Peter says, I want to build three tents, right? Why? To wait in these tents of the Feast of Booths was to wait in expectation of the coming of the Messiah. So when Peter says, let us build three tents, he's just not randomly coming up with this. In the Jewish Feast of the Booths, they would have the tents that they would wait in in anticipation for the coming of the Messiah. So here's Peter saying, I'm waiting in the, uh, the anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. Here he is, Jesus. And then all of a sudden, this voice comes from above. It comes from the Father who confirms who Jesus is. Now, this is a confirmation of the Trinity, even though the word Trinity is not in the Bible. A lot of people will write to me and say, purgatory is not in the Bible. The word purgatory, yeah, the word purgatory isn't in the Bible, but I could give you 20 verses that show the significance of purgatory. The second Maccabees, which was in the original canon, we must pray for the dead to relieve them of their sin. You must pay the last penny. You will not be released until you pay the last penny. The word purgatory is not mentioned, but the idea is, it's the same with Trinity. Trinity, the word is not mentioned, but Jesus is revealed in God the Father and actually the Holy Spirit too. It's all revealed. How? Okay, God the Father, his voice. This is my son, which makes him the father. So the son is then revealed by being transfigured, right? And how was the Holy Spirit revealed here? Did you catch that? How's the Holy Spirit revealed here? In the cloud. The cloud is the sign of the Holy Spirit. Remember, it overshadowed Mary. She was overshadowed at the conception of Jesus like a cloud. Mary 
was overshadowed. What about the pillar of cloud that led the Israelites out of Egypt? That was the Holy Spirit. So just like the words of the baptism, the father says, this is my son. Now he adds, listen to him. To show what? That he is the greatest of the prophets. So Elijah's there as the prophet, but now Jesus is greater. Listen to him. This means he's a prophet, and he's the greatest prophet, even greater than Elijah. And he's not just a conquering Messiah, he's also a living Torah. So he's an incarnation of God's word. He's greater than the law. He's greater than Moses. And so he is the prophet, greater than Elijah, because Jesus, God the Father says, listen to him. Now he's an incarnation of the word, we see him, and so he is in many ways the living Torah. So he fulfills the law by now being the living word among us. That's why Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant. The old Ark brought the stone law. The new Ark, Mary, brings the law of the flesh. So Christ then led his disciples, right, up the mountain. Now here's something interesting I'm going to share with you that I learned in seminary. I've never heard before, I've never heard since. And I think it's really interesting because sharing with you what I learned in seminary helps me to, to remember all the things that I learned, but it also, I think, should be shared with our Catholic family. And what I learned was that Christ led the disciples up the mountain after six days, it says that, showing that we must rise above material things that were created in six days. God created the world in six days, and they ascended up above that after six days, showing we must go above the things of the world. So this prepares us to be divinized at the transfiguration. Fascinating. If, this is important, if God, see, Jesus had to be both God and man in his nature, right? Because if he was only divine, he couldn't touch us. If he's only human, he can't save us. He had to be both. And it also helps that the, the apostles prepare for the, are prepared for the resurrection, right? Because when they see the scandal of the cross... If Jesus didn't show them the potential glory of the resurrection, the potential glory of his divinization, and they saw the scandal of the cross, they, 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 wouldn't, they wouldn't have made it. And so what's going on here is to help them see the glory through the shame, the crown beyond the cross. This is what God is showing them. And so we, too, can have this illumination, this, this divinization right here on earth through the sacraments, through the sacraments. Ultimately, we will be judged on one thing. The Bible tells us love, and in a way that's true, but you could have love of material things, love of just creatures, not love of God. And so I believe that how we will be judged is did we do the will of God? So let us be transfigured. 
in this time of Lent. Let us be transformed into another Christ. You know how I think the Lord looked? You know how I think Jesus looked on that mountain that day? This is just my personal opinion. The image of divine mercy. I think he looked like that, glowing, blessing them. And so we can hear from St. Faustina a description of how Jesus looked in his glorified state. I think that's how he looked. So we hear about Faustina explaining that this is how Jesus appeared to her. I think he appeared to her in the same way. And I want to finish now. I know I'm running out of time. With something that is a huge complaint from our non-Catholic brothers and sisters. Saints can't hear you. Saints can't hear your prayers because they are dead. We are forbidden to talk to the dead. You Catholics are idolaters. You are pagans. You are not and cannot. The dead cannot hear you. You cannot talk to the dead. This goes against the Bible. And I want to address this last point because it's a big one. All right. What God has forbidden in the Bible is necromancy. Necromancy is conjuring up. This is from Deuteronomy 18. Necromancy is conjuring up the dead to be able to manipulate and gain knowledge of the future. Remember the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and to be able to manipulate, take knowledge to be able to manipulate the future for your benefit. All right. That's not what we are talking about in intercessory prayer. God thus indicates that one is not to conjure up the dead for the purposes of gaining information. You are to look to the prophets instead. So here we have Elijah. Now, one is not to hold a seance. One is not to read tar tarot cards or palm reading. That is totally different. Some say, but a saint can't hear all our prayers at one time, or they'd be omniscient like God. We don't know how to answer this. But I'm going to give you the answer. The answer is, this is totally misunderstood. In heaven, God communicates with all of the saints, right? In a, in a, in a certain way. Boundaries of space and time are gone. So you don't have to worry about, well, one, this would mean they're omniscient. No, there is no boundaries in heaven with God. Moses and Elijah, they were dead, but they communicated at the transfiguration. Oh, well, wait a minute. They're dead. They can't be alive. Well, say, well, what about Moses and Elijah? Moses was long dead, and yet he certainly heard what was going on at the transfiguration? If somebody says, no, the saints are dead, they can't hear you, they can't communicate. Boy, Moses did a sure good job of it on the Mount Tabor at the transfiguration, and Moses was long dead. And so <clears throat> Moses and Elijah dead, but they communicated. They were unconstrained. Yes, they can hear us because we and them are part of the mystical body of Christ. Christ is not limited, neither is his body.
Why do we try to do that? Go to Mark 12, verse 26. God told them, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the living. And he says that. I am not the God of the dead, but of the living. Now, does that mean that he stops being the, the God of Moses because Moses died? No, it's because Moses is alive. He's alive. And so this is what we miss here. And I always point to Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, or Revelation chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. You know what it says? Those in heaven take our prayers from earth to the throne of God. How could they take our prayers to the throne of God if they cannot hear us? This is one thing we Catholics don't know how to answer. And millions of Catholics are leaving the faith because of it. Brazil, I was talking with our Brazilian brothers at our chapter in, in Rome. Brazil used to be over 95% Catholic, now it's under 50%. Because missionaries have gone down there. God bless them, I think their hearts are good. But telling them reasons like this, that the Catholic Church is not biblical. Telling them that the Catholics talk to the dead and are idol worshipers. Again, go to Revelation 5, 8, or Revelation 8, 3, that says those in heaven take our prayers to the throne of God. Again, they couldn't do it if they couldn't hear us. They only can hear us because they are part of the body of Christ. And so this is important. So does Revelation 4, Revelation 5, Revelation 6, and Revelation 8. It all says the saints are praying for us. It's right there in Scripture. And so if the saints in heaven are offering our prayers to the throne of God, then they must be aware of our prayers. We know they're not dead because we just saw Moses on the mountain. And this was centuries after he had died. So let us embrace our Catholic faith. Let us learn our Catholic faith. As I pray every morning and I shared over this weekend, and our devotions of First Friday and First Saturday. To me, you can summarize everything of our spiritual faith if you make one little prayer every morning. Lord, help me to know you more. That is why I teach as best I can on our EWTN show, on our First Saturdays, on our Explaining the Faith series, in our, my books, all Miriam Priest trying to teach you. God, help me know you more so I can love you more. You remember, you can't love what you don't know. So, Lord, help me know you more so that I can love you more. Can't love what you don't know. So, if I know you more, I can love you more. And then when I love you more, I trust you more. I cannot trust what I don't love. And what is Jesus' whole message in the diary? Trust. And so, Lord, help me love you more so I can trust you more. And what do you do when you trust somebody? You surrender to them. A husband surrenders his life to serve the family. A wife surrenders her whole being to serve her husband and her children. A priest surrenders his whole being. Wife, we surrendered home. We surrendered money. We surrendered everything of the world. 
So Lord, help me trust you more so I can surrender more. And then help me surrender more so I can do your will more in all things. That little path encompasses the entire spiritual life. Lord, help me know you more. That's your catechesis. So I can love you more. That's the virtues. So that I can trust you more. That is the message of St. Faustina and divine mercy. So that I can surrender more. That is the meaning of sacrifice. So that I can do your will more. And that is the answer to how to get to heaven. Doing the will of God is the greatest commandment. And why did Jesus go to the mountain? To do the will of God. He had just accomplished everything in his ministry led up to this. This is why it's one of the most important passages in the Bible. God bless you. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.